You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Hello and welcome back in to the SB Nation NFL show. I am Steven Serta of Arrowhead Pride. It is NFL Draft Week. It feels like the season ended a year ago and we've just been doing mock drafts for a year straight. Like we've done 10,000 mock drafts to, to fill this thing out as we await the NFL Draft. But Draft Week is finally here. So we've got a ton of fantastic content for you guys all throughout this week on the SB Nation NFL show, and we're going to start things off on this Tuesday with the 2022 NFL Draft Community Row. I am going to be breaking down the state of each division in the AFC ahead of the NFL Draft with different guests from all of our SB Nation communities. We've got plenty to talk about, and we're going to kick things off with my guy, Ron Kopp Jr. He is the lead analyst of Arrowhead Pride. Ron how are we feeling? Are you anxious about the NFL draft? Are you confident? What's your state of mind as we actually are finally here at draft week? Yeah, no, you're right, man. It feels like last, last season ended a year ago. It feels like the first time I watched a draft prospect was a year ago and I did not start draft prep until February. So man, it has been a long process. I'm just excited for, for the draft. Now I'm just excited for that weekend, the Thursday through Saturday especially as a Chiefs guy, right? I mean, all this draft capital, we'll get into it. But, uh, you know, Chiefs are going to have an exciting weekend. So I'm, I'm pumped, man. I'm ready. Yeah, so let's go ahead and get into the AFC West. And, you know, for, for my money, the best division in football. And, and we'll start with the Kansas City Chiefs, who I, I know you've been doing a, a ton of incredible content for AP uh, with your draft coverage and have probably done literally hundreds of mock drafts at this point, I feel like. Uh, But the Chiefs have first-round picks, number 29, number 30. They've got some massive holes on the roster at edge rusher, at at wide receiver. They still need uh, another right tackle. They don't have really a a starting cornerback right now that you feel like confident is is your number one cornerback. Obviously, they lost Tyron Matthew, Charvarius Ward. And, and traded away Tyree Kill, but they bring in Justin Reed, Juju Smith-Schuster, MVS. How, how are you feeling about the Chiefs? Where do you think they need to go? What, what's, the, what's the biggest position they absolutely have to address in the first round? Oh, that's, that's an easy question, honestly, because it really is defensive end. It really is edge rusher, someone on that edge. They honestly right now only have three guys you can truly you know, count on playing on the field, and one of them is last year's fourth-round pick in Joshua Kando that didn't play for most of 2021. Um, yeah, it's, it's Frank Clark, Mike Dana, Joshua Kando, and that's it. They need an edge rusher, man. And, you know, whether that is, you know, they do need an immediate impact, right? And so you think about a guy like David Ojaba, the Michigan edge rusher who is injured, you know, right? He injured uh, his Achilles as pro day. You know, he's not going to give you immediate impact. That's someone I really like at this spot. 
you know, you got to think about other guys like Arnold Ibiketti, Boye Mafe, guys that are going to, you know, be able to play right away, but may just not be as polished as a guy like Ojabo. All that to say, they need somebody in that room at defensive end. Uh, even when they did have everybody, you know, they had Melvin Ingram last year when Frank Clark was healthy. It still wasn't good enough, even when they had all that. They just need more talent. And so that's why with the, when they rarely have these first-round picks, they have two of them this year. You need to use at least one of them or trade up or something. Use one of them at edge rusher. I think that is by far, no doubt, the most important position for them to address early on in this year's draft. And you mentioned receiver because receiver is really important. Right now they have a lot of guys that are complementary weapons, I would say. You know, Juju Smith-Schuster, Marquez Valdez-Scantling, like those are guys that, you know, are good players, but I don't think anyone really wants them as their number one receiver. So that's where it's kind of interesting here is that, yeah, if you're if, if you want a George Pickens who projects to be a number one receiver, like that's the kind of guy you want to take. You know, they may not want to take, you know, it may not be worth it to take, you know, someone that I like in this process, Jahan Dotson, the Penn State receiver. He may not be ever a number one type of guy because he just doesn't really have that projection as a player. You know, you may not consider him here because it's just you can get that kind of guy maybe late, you know, later in the, in the draft. So that's why I think receiver is just not as much a need. They do need a number one alpha type at some point. Um, you know, Kelsey's still there, obviously, as the number one receiver overall. But that's the thing, man. Uh, you know, receiver, you can be fine a little later in the draft. Edge rusher, you cannot. You need to take swings at edge rusher high in the class. And so, yeah, that's why it's just no doubt defense. We can run through the Raiders pretty quick uh, because they do not have a pick until the third round, number 86 overall. Obviously, they add Chandler Jones. They add Devontae Adams. They are going to be a better football team this year. And I, I think there's a case to be made that they have a more complete roster than the Kansas City Chiefs at this point. I think the Chargers and Broncos both have better rosters than the Raiders and Chiefs at, at this exact moment. But they're a team that's that's going all in to try to win. So it, it's hard to project where they could go in, in the third round. But really, at this point, it's just trying to add depth, trying to add anybody who could possibly contribute when you don't have a pick until the third round. Yeah, they need to address defense, I think, first and foremost, um, with any of their picks, because I do think offensively, you know, with the receiving core they have, you know, they have Josh Jacobs still and Kenyon Drake as a little bit of a duo. You know, obviously, Darren Waller is one of the best tight ends in the league. You know, the offensive line, you know, it, it is what it is. It's not, you know, it's not great, but it's 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 not something that you're going to be able to add a third round pick to and 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 improve it necessarily. I think, yeah, they need to throw picks at, at linebacker at, at, at the secondary. They traded for Rocky Sin this offseason, but. Man, that was one thing, you know, their defense got a little better last year, but, you know, it, it, this is really a, a team that relies on their offense to win them games, which is, you know, it's just kind of funny when you think about Derek Carr, uh, you know, being the leader of that. But, man, he's been doing it really well. And if he had an improved defense, if their defense gets better at all, they could be a really, really good team. So, yeah, they need to throw all their picks at defense. And, and specifically, I should say, the back end of the defense, uh, you know, some some help at linebacker and corner and safety would be my suggestion for sure. Again, thank you so much to my guy, Ron Cop Jr. You can follow him on Twitter at Ron underscore Cop, and make sure you follow all of his fantastic work at arrowheadpride.com. We are going to finish up the AFC West with our friend Michael Peterson. Very happy to be joined by Michael Peterson. You can follow him on Twitter at Zone Tracks. Michael Peterson is the managing editor for Bolts from the Blue. Michael. Do you have any anxiety about the draft? Uh, how many mock drafts have you done? Are you just ready for this thing to happen so we can move on with our lives? Yeah, I uh, I can't say I've done a ton of mock drafts because I, I feel like this year with the Chargers, especially when you look at what they did in free agency, they're really set up to do a bunch of different things. And I feel like doing a mock draft is almost 
like irrelevant at this point because I mean you could say that yeah one position's a bigger knee than the other but I just feel like there's so many kind of like tier 1.5 knees there's not a ton at the very top they could just pick from you know this wider range of them so for the most part I am kind of excited just to get it over with because there's so much uncertainty I think they can go here um, I'd rather just see what they do already yeah and especially this NFL draft where it, it feels like we're not confident in where anybody could go or, or like really how talented some of these prospects are this year. And there's, you know, a quarter of the NFL has traded out of the first round. And so there's so many teams that are making multiple first round picks. I think it's going to be a really interesting draft, but you are here to discuss the AFC West with me. And I want to start with the team that you covered the Los Angeles chargers, their first round pick number 17, Obviously, they had a huge offseason. They beefed up that defensive line, which was one of the worst in the NFL last year. They added J.C. Jackson, Khalil Mack. Is that number 17 pick in the first round, is that all about offensive line? Because it feels like the Chargers are in a tough spot where they might not have one of those premium offensive linemen available at number 17. Yeah, I've seen quite a few mock drafts from, you know, various analysts across various platforms that, for the most part, it seems like that fourth and final top-tier offensive tackle I always tends to be gone by 17, right? You've got teams like the Saints at 16 who want to replace Toronto Armstead. You've got the Ravens at 14 who potentially take one of those last few guys as well. So there's a lot of landmines, I guess, uh, that the, the Chargers have to get through for one of those top tackles to, to land there at, at 17. I'm a big proponent of offensive line play. I love watching these guys. Um, I think it's such an important position. I think it's way more interesting than most people maybe consider the offensive uh, line to be. Um, so for the most part, yeah, I would like a Trevor Penning and Charles Cross to fall. Um, if that's not the case, though, I don't think you could also write out defensive tackles still in the first round. I know the team signed Austin Johnson and Sebastian Joseph Day. Um, I like those two guys. I just think as bad as this defensive line was a year ago, I wouldn't mind the Chargers maybe eliminating any sort of excuse they could have this time next year if that defensive line is not as good as we all expect it to be. Getting one more guy, whether that's you know, Jordan Davis somehow falling to 17, uh, his teammate Devontae Wyatt. I still think it's a position we could see get taken in the first round by the Chargers, as well as a couple other things like guard Zion Johnson is a very interesting cornerback, still probably a position of need as well, seeing how injured that secondary was a year ago. I think everything's pretty wide open here. And that's, you know, I didn't even mention wide receiver. Maybe they want to give one, uh, you know, another weapon to Justin Herbert to use in his arsenal as well. I just think this pick's so wide open. I'm glad you mentioned wide receiver because I actually wanted to ask you about that. You know, it seems like we agree offensive line is where they need to go if the board falls right for the Chargers. But and I I probably even agree with you that defensive tackle would, would be still be a big need despite the guys that they've added. Like you want that interior to be shored up for the future so you don't ever have to worry about that run defense being as bad as it was last year. But they kind of need a wide receiver who can fly. Like Keenan Allen and Mike Williams are both really good players, but they need like the Chiefs had Tyreek Hill. Like they they need that guy who can legitimately stretch the field on a consistent basis for Justin Herbert. So I, I'm curious how you feel if they decided to go wide receiver in the first round, just based on the way things fell, or or do you think that offensive tackle and defensive tackle are so much bigger needs that they should just avoid that in the first round and try to take a, a mid round wide receiver and hope they hit there. You know, I, we did a live uh, mock draft show last night for Bulls from the Blue where actually our first round pick ended up being Chris Olave from Ohio State. Now, um, I, I preface, you know, before we made that pick, before I gave him my thoughts that like I wouldn't be upset or anything. I wouldn't think it was a bad move for the team to pick a wide receiver because, I mean, 
why wouldn't you want to give that type of player to Justin Herbert and to pair him with uh, Keenan Allen, uh, Mike Williams, and that offense? Um, you you kind of nailed it, right? Speed is something that's been missing from this offense, this wide receiver group for a while now. And um, some you know Chargers fans may point to Jalen Guyton. Right, he's a bigger receiver, you know, 210, 6'2, who can run a sub 4'4. But that's kind of a he's kind of a build-up speed guy who is, takes advantage of a blown coverage. He's not someone that like whenever he's on the field, you need to keep an eye on him, type of player. Right. And it's um Chargers haven't had anyone like a Tyreek Hill where like wherever he touches the ball, you know, he could fly, he could make a guy miss and take it to the house. I just think that type of skill set is something Chargers fans would love to see paired with Keenan Allen and Mike Williams. And of course you have Justin Herbert who has, you know, top five, three arm in the, in the NFL. Uh, why not give him a guy who's an incredible route runner on top of a guy who ran, I believe a four, three, six, four, three, seven at this year's combine. We haven't even gotten to the Denver Broncos yet who don't pick until the Round number two, number 63 overall. Obviously, they lost their first-round pick in the Russell Wilson trade. They also had Randy Gregory. And on top of a roster that already had a lot of talent that we talked about last season, the Broncos have a lot of young talent. They have a lot of inexpensive talent. And they went out this offseason, and they tried to capitalize on that by spending up big and making the blockbuster deal for Russell Wilson. I tend to believe that the Broncos, while they don't have a pick until the second round, I think that their roster might be the most complete roster day one right now outside of the NFL draft in the AFC West. Do you agree with that? Or do you think there's still some positions they really got to beef up? Yeah, I think I do agree with you. I think, you know, just right now scanning the roster in my head that there aren't any real areas where I go, you know, I circle it and go that one right there. Like this is going to be a huge issue for them. You look at offensively. They've made the right moves around the offensive line. There's not a lot of star power along that offensive line, but it's one that gets the job done, right? Javante Williams and Melvin Gordon last year both ran for quite a few yards. Uh, together, that rushing attack was pretty good. Now you have Russell Wilson, and you give him a wide receiver group that features Cortland Sutton, uh, Tim Patrick, Jerry Judy, a fairly tall, physically imposing uh, a wide receiver group. And, yeah, they traded away Noah Fant in the Russell Wilson trade, but they got Albert O, right, this absolute monolithic tight end who's still athletic enough to, to make a lot of plays at this level. And then we go defensively. Okay, you still got Bradley Chubb. I think the, the bookend pass rusher, I believe, might be Malik Cooper, um, who had, I think, five and a half sacks last year. Not too shabby there. They did trade away Shelby Harris, who was a really good interior defender for him. I know he always gave the Chargers fits. He's gone, so maybe that interior looks pretty bad at this point. Um, Linebacker-wise, Josie Jewell, Alexander Johnson, they've been solid enough. Uh, still got Justin Simmons on the back end. So you might be able to like kind of nitpick some of those holes on defense, but for the most part, I do agree with you. I think this roster, for the most part, is built really well going into this season. Yeah, I think they're a scary team if everything – clicks right and this AFC West is just absolutely loaded so you know with teams like the Broncos and the Raiders it's just kind of uh, let's hope some of these athletic monsters fall and we'll just take swings on them and, and try to hope that we hit on, on some of those later round draft picks but Michael Peterson thank you so much for joining us you can follow him on Twitter at zone tracks make sure you follow all of his fantastic work at bolts from the blue I hope the Chargers take Jamison Williams in the first round because I want to see what that looks like with Justin Herbert. But I uh, wish you and the Chargers nothing but luck in the upcoming NFL draft. Yeah, I appreciate it. Coming up next, we sat down with Jason Markham of Cincy Jungle to preview the AFC North. Continuing our 2022 NFL Draft Community Row, I'm very happy to be joined by Jason Markham. He is the site manager of Cincy Jungle. 
Jason, I assume you're prepared for this week's NFL draft. Uh, I don't know if you're like me. You've just been unloading the mock drafts and, and, and watching prospects and trying to figure out where your team's going to go. But how, how confident are you in the upcoming draft? Oh, it's really exciting, especially for teams like the Bengals, where you just really have no clue what they're, you know, when you're late, late in the first round. I mean, there's so many different directions they could go. And uh, it's exciting. It's not like past drafts where it's like you knew they were going to take Burrow or, you know, most people thought they were going to take Chase last year. It's like it's so wide open now when you're in the late first round. And so, yeah, let's start there with the Cincinnati Bengals. Obviously, defending AFC champions, Joe Burrow, Jamar Chase, T. Higgins, like that offense is set up to be competitive for a long time. And the defense probably performed above expectation in a lot of ways last year. So not picking it until 31 and after they've had this offseason where they've really invested in that offensive line that was the biggest weak spot uh, for that AFC championship team. Where do you feel like they're going to go based on past draft history? Like, is there something you can read into there with where they might go at 31 in the draft? Um, Dutel been the general manager, basically. He, he likes first-round cornerbacks. So I'm, I'm thinking they could go there because it's like they've got two good ones in Awuze and Hilton, but I think they only both have two years left on their deals. So you might want to have a – and they're kind of older, so you might want to have a young guy waiting in the wings to take over. Plus, you know, Eli Apple is still a projected starter right now, so you definitely don't want him starting again. I still think they could go offensive line. They made an interesting signing this offseason. They signed Ted Karras from the Patriots, and he's projected as the starting center, but he can he starts at guard too, so he could theoretically play either spot in case, like, Iowa center Tyler Lindenbaum falls to them or um, Boston College guard Zeon Johnson. So they could – you know, conceivably get a starting center or starting guard at that 31st spot. They are in an interesting position where, you know, I, I mainly cover the Kansas City Chiefs and picking that late in the first round, you, you it's obviously, it, it's kind of a luxury. Like, you know, your premium talent is already off the board, but if somebody falls or if there's somebody that they really like there, like they are in a position where it feels like they've built up their roster enough in free agency they can kind of just take best available player, which is a luxury in the NFL draft, as opposed to having like a glaring need where you feel like you got to reach on a guy to make sure you get him too early in the draft. Yeah, they, they typically have not drafted well in the past when they go for like need in the you know late first round because they tend to reach for guys like I'm you know, just going back to cornerbacks, guys like Drake Kirkpatrick in 2013. It's they, you know, it's they do best when they can really go best player available. And you know this division on, on paper last season, it, it felt like it was kind of up in the air between the Ravens, who wound up having uh, just laundry list of injuries all season that kind of made them fall uh, towards the back half of the season, and then the Steelers just kind of you know surviving and floating around with the corpse of Ben Roethlisberger. This team is going to be really good, but when you look at the additions uh, across the division, specifically the Cleveland Browns, and we don't know what's going to happen with Deshaun Watson, if he's going to be available at the start of the year, but do you still think the Bengals are the best team in the division right now? Uh, assuming, let's say, Deshaun Watson is the week one starting quarterback for the Cleveland Browns. I do, but it's it's very narrow. I, I think the Browns, I mean, even as good as Watson is, they'll probably be a little bit of growing pains, you know, especially when you're going to have maybe a new receiving core with guys like Amari Cooper and 
I think they'll probably spend a, maybe a high, like second, third, fourth round pick on a receiver. They'll try to get another one in there. So, in the Ravens though, they're they were so beat up last year, and they still kind of stayed above water and in the hunt for the division much of the season. So now that they're fully healthy, I think it'll be a lot closer battle between. I think it'll be really close, like triple threat between those three. I, I just I can't see the Steelers staying in the race with those three. Yeah, and the Browns' first pick is a part of that Deshaun Watson deal. They do not pick until number 44 in the second round. So I do tend to agree with you there. It's The Browns' roster is has a lot of talent, and, and they've got a lot of key playmakers at, at certain positions. So I think wide receiver could be a, a depth add there because it's Amari Cooper and then Donovan Peoples-Jones and then a young wide receiver and Anthony Shorts, who they drafted last year. But – I don't think you can go wrong with, with adding offensive weapons. Sticking with the Baltimore Ravens, they've got the number 14 overall pick, and we just talked about all the injury problems that they had last season. That was like a historic level of injury issues for the Ravens, and so assuming they could stay healthy this year, they still have a really talented roster. They they have a big need at edge rusher. They were supposed to sign Zadarius Smith, but that deal – uh, wound up falling apart, but they bring back second year edge rusher Adafe Owe, uh, who, who looked like a talented player for them last year. Do you feel like the Ravens at number 14, like they are a lock to try to lock up that other edge player? Because they're a team that's traditionally found productive edge players later in the draft. When you think of as a Darius Smith, who I think was a, a fifth round pick, and then like a Matthew Judon, who was a fourth round pick, like the Ravens have traditionally been able to find those guys later in the draft where other teams struggle, but. In a draft where we're questionable about kind of the entire class, I, I, I feel like. Do you feel like they have to go edge rusher at number 14? Oh, no. I, I think they should take a hard look at wide receiver. I mean, I, I like Rashad Bateman as long as he can stay healthy. Um, Marquise Brown, it's like, you know, he's still kind of just like I, I hate to rely on him as your one of your top three receivers. So I, I think they should take a hard look at this receiver class and taking one of those guys like Garrett Wilson if he falls there or Olave. You know, I don't know exactly where those guys are going to go, but they need to take a hard look at those because Lamar Jackson, I mean, he needs you need to give him a more consistent number one receiver than what he's had. Yeah, I actually think that's really interesting because most mock drafts right now have them kind of focusing on that defense and especially at the edge position. But I'm a big fan of Rashad Bateman, but Lamar's never had these like uber talented wide receivers like some some of these other AFC quarterbacks in the way that the conference is just stacked up right now. I, I think you should try to build around Lamar. I, I assume the Ravens are going to extend him at some point and he's going to be their quarterback moving forward. But we'll see how it plays out with the Baltimore Ravens, because I, I think the with as loaded as the AFC is right now, I think the Ravens are kind of a wild card. Like they could still be one of the best teams in the conference and they're getting a little bit overlooked right now because of all the major movement, especially in the AFC West. But last but not least, the Pittsburgh Steelers first round pick number 20 overall, obviously Ben Roethlisberger retires. They've got a lot of issues uh, along the offensive line. They could use uh, another cornerback. They, they've got some issues in that secondary that popped up quite a bit last year, but they signed Mitch Trubisky to a two-year deal as kind of a placeholder quarterback. We'll see how that works out for them. Maybe they get a little bit more out of Mitch than we saw in Chicago, but do you feel like the Steelers are an absolute lock to take, like, say, a, a Desmond Ritter at number 20 overall in the first round? 
Um, it's kind of ironic the position they're in because I just go back to Dan Arena when he came into Pittsburgh. He was like a mid-late first-round pick, and the Steelers passed on him and ended up just having quarterback issues for decades after that, I believe. And, um, yeah, it's like Kenny Pickett, man, if guys like that there. Uh, or Ritter. I, I'm like, Ritter kind of scares me a little just because he's done so much. It's come in like a lesser conference. It's like – but even Kenny Pickett, it's like I've watched the ACC. Those defenses are not good. I mean, he's – tearing up a lot of bad defenses there. That's the problem with these quarterback classes. There's not a guy that played it like Alabama or LSU that went up against elite defenses on a regular basis. It's guys like Malik Willis, who is going to be a late – you know, I'm sorry, he played at Liberty. And then you got Matt Corral, who did play at Ole Miss, so he got some good competition. But he's – it's this is one of the most iffy quarterback classes I can remember since, like, I think it was 2013 when there was only like one first round pick and it was EJ Manuel. So I, this guy, th- these guys at the top, they should still be good, but it's, I mean, figuring out which one you're going to get. And I wouldn't count out the Steelers potentially trading up to get a guy like Kenny Pickett if they feel like he's the guy and they're going to have to trade up to get him. So that was actually going to be my next question out of all four teams in the AFC North. If you had to pick one who, who could make, some draft noise or uh, like draft disruption on draft day and make a big move or a blockbuster trade or something like that. Which team in the division would you pick to make that noise in the AFC North? Oh, definitely the Steelers. They've shown they're not afraid to trade up. I, I just go back a few years ago when the Bengals, they were picking like 11th and they needed linebacker. And a lot of people thought they were going to take Michigan's Devin Bush and the Steelers traded up right ahead of them and snagged Bush. So they, they are not afraid to move up and get a guy they really like, even if it's not a quarterback. Like I said, a linebacker who the value is not as good in today's NFL for those, but they'll still trade up and get a guy like that if they really believe in him. Yeah, I think the AFC North is another really, really interesting division where everybody's locked into the AFC West, and I get it with the quarterback talent and, and the way that it is stacked up there. But the AFC North is a really, really competitive division. So I'm really interested to see how this draft plays out. For the teams in this division but he's jason markham you can follow him on twitter at markham 89 he is the managing site editor for cincy jungle so make sure you're checking out all their fantastic work that they're doing over there as they get you ready for the cincinnati Bengals first round pick defending afc champions jason thank you very much and nothing but good luck to you and the cincinnati Bengals in the upcoming draft thank you have a blessed day everyone We're going to take a quick time out right here, but when we get back, we will preview the AFC South with our friend Jimmy Morris from the Music City Miracles. Vacations can be tricky. You already know how to book flights and hotels, but now the only thing you're missing is, you know, the actual travel experience. Because is it really a vacation if you're just sitting around like you would at home? You need a tool to get the most out of your time away. That's where Viator steps in. You can book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who already been on the experiences you're considering, so you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. 
Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Continuing our 2022 NFL Draft community. Row breaking down the state of each division in the AFC. I am very happy to be joined by the editor-in-chief of Music City Miracles, Jimmy Morris. Jimmy's doing a lot of fantastic content for the Tennessee Titans. Jimmy, as we approach the NFL Draft this Thursday, how are you feeling about the Titans? How are you feeling overall? Just draft confidence? Are, are you nervous? What What's your feel so far for the NFL draft? Yeah, I mean, it's always a really exciting time, right? It feels like it takes forever to get here. Um, and so once we – and I don't know, it seems like it maybe, maybe even takes a little longer this last week because it feels like we're so close. We're not quite there yet. But, yeah, I'm excited. I mean, you know, the Titans picking as late as they are in the first round, it's hard to – really get a feel for what they're going to do. There's plenty of ways they can go, plenty of needs that they have. Um, so just trying to, you know, judge some guys that, that will possibly be there in areas of need and, you know, kind of get as many get familiar with as many of those guys as we can and just kind of sit back Thursday night and kind of watch how it plays out. So I actually want to start with the Titans as the main team that you cover here at SB Nation. They Their first-round pick is until number 26 overall – and this is a team that last season, I feel like we we spent a lot of the season talking about, you know, they wound up being the number one overall seed in the AFC and now how stacked the AFC is. The Titans haven't exactly lost a, a ton of players who were like core members of that unit last year that wound up getting them to a number one overall seed in the AFC. Do you feel like we're sleeping on the Tennessee Titans a little bit just because of all the movement in the AFC? Well, I mean, that's, that's an interesting question because I felt like last year everybody was sleeping on the Titans. Um, the And it tends to happen, but then especially after Derrick Henry went down, it was just kind of like everybody wrote them off. And then they just kind of continued to find a way to win games. Um, and then there was this hope that, you know, when they got to the playoffs, that they would have a healthy Derrick Henry, that they would have a healthy Julio Jones, A.J. Brown, I mean, all these guys. And then it turned out that they did have that, and then Ryan Tannehill completely lost his mind in the, in the playoff game and, and pretty much single-handedly lost that game for them. I mean, they, they sacked Joe Burrow nine times and lost. So, you know, it's a big thing around here. People talking about the Titans not getting national respect and everybody's always mad about it. But, you know, when you have the opportunity, opportunity like they did last year and you don't come through with it, you, you kind of get that. To your point about the rest of the AFC, I mean, there have been so many moves and it seems like so many teams have gotten so much better in the conference this offseason that you can understand why there's not much focus on the Titans. Because like you said, I mean, there hasn't been a lot of attrition, but there hasn't been any really big additions either. I mean, they, they did get Robert Woods, which I think is a really big deal. But, I mean, you know, in the scheme of all these other moves that were made in the conference this year, that's, I mean, you know, what, 12, 13? I mean, I don't know. I don't have numbers in front of me, but you know what I mean? Like, that, that, that doesn't even hardly register for everything else that's been done. So it makes sense that people are talking about all these other things and not necessarily spending time talking about Titans. Yeah, Robert Woods is a very quiet addition, and it kind of goes in line with his career, I feel like, where he's just always kind of been an overlooked wide receiver, but he's always been productive. He's always been really good. Like, he's always been uh, a playmaking wide receiver. So that is a big addition. But at number 26 overall, you know, where do you feel like the Titans need to go on Thursday night to significantly improve their roster as much as you can be hopeful, like late first round pick? Right. Sure. 
They need a receiver. Uh, I mean, you know, we talked about Robert Woods, obviously. They have A.J. Brown, who's really, really good. But they have nothing behind those guys. And we saw last year when you have injuries and then, you know, there were multiple games where they didn't have A.J. Brown and Julio Jones. And, I mean, it was just a disaster. Now, Julio's gone. They cut him. Um, you know, I think it's kind of the end of the line for him. But they still – they need to add some depth behind the two guys that they have. And they, and also you have to consider that Robert Woods is coming off of an ACL injury. So, I mean, I, I think they don't expect him to, you know, miss significant time. But we've seen with, with ACL injuries that you can come back from them the next season, but it may take a, a few weeks, a few, you know, even a month or two into the season to really get things going. So I wouldn't be surprised if they look receiver. Now, you know, I, you don't put a whole lot of weight in mock drafts. You know, some obviously are better than others. But it seems recently um, with all the receiver movement that's happened in this offseason, receivers are going off the board quickly, a lot more quickly than they were in, the, in these beginning mock drafts. So it'll just be interesting to see how it falls for them. Um, but I think if they could get a guy that could stretch the field a little bit, that would be ideal. They also need help in the offensive line. Um, they lost their starting left guard, Roger Apple. They cut him. They lost their starting right tackle. Uh, you know, so that they need help there up front as well. Um, they're pretty set on defense. They need a tight end. I mean, I don't think there's a tight end that's going to go off the board 26. But, you know, they have they – have, you know, quite a few needs that they need to meet. But if I had to, if I was sitting here right now, you know, having to bet on what they would do, I would say it's either a receiver or an offensive lineman. Yeah, I, I think that feels like a safe bet because you mentioned the wide receiver contracts that are coming down right now and that we've seen this offseason. It feels like more and more teams are just saying, okay, well, we better get a playmaker in the draft because we don't yeah. want to pay 25 to $30 million for a top end wide receiver, which is something that uh, their own young wide receiver, A.J. Brown, could command. And, and he's up for a contract, so they got to figure that out in Tennessee. So it would make sense to take a, a, a young, cost-effective wide receiver at number 26. I want to move on to the Indianapolis Colts. They do not have a first-round pick. Their first round pick or their first pick doesn't come until number 42 in the second round. The Colts, I think, are, are an interesting team. And we talked about all these other like just powerhouse teams in the AFC right now where – they kind of quietly uh, acquire Matt Ryan after the Falcons, Deshaun Watson debacle and, and all of that. And and they've got some players and Chris Ballard's done a decent job drafting, but they still have a lot of holes that they need to fill on the roster. But again, no pick until the second round. Do you, do you think the Colts are, are another team, even similar to the Titans? Like what do we think Matt Ryan still has left in the tank that he can give the Indianapolis Colts? Well, listen, I mean, the, the Colts missed the playoffs by a, a game last year. I mean, they just had a win in Jacksonville uh, in week 18, and, and they went down there and lost. Um, I, I think that they have – they do have a lot of good players on that team for sure. Um, I think Matt Ryan is an upgrade from Carson Wentz. I don't know that he's, you know, some, you know, huge, huge addition at this point in his career. Um, but I, I think they would expect to get better play out of him than they did out of Wentz last year. So, I mean, I think they're going to be a very similar team to what they were last year. I think they're going to be similar to the Titans. Um, you know, the Titans were able to get two wins against the Colts early in the season, and they actually – the second game was the game where Derrick Henry broke his foot. So, you know, they, they were lucky enough to have Henry for both of those matchups. They won both of those games, and that pretty much put away the division because, you know, then the Colts obviously had to finish the game better than the Titans with the Titans being 2-0 against them. Um, but I don't think the Titans were necessarily that much better than them. And I think that the, those, those are the two teams. One of those two teams is going to win the AFC South. I would, you know, put all my money on, on that happening, one of those two. Um, but, yeah, they, they, need some, they, may, they need playmakers on the outside as well. 
Um, so I wouldn't be surprised if they're looking at receiver again, like you said, it'll be, I mean, who knows what they're going to, what, what they'll do with, with the way the draft falls and they don't not have a first round pick, but yeah, I mean, I, I think they're another good team. I think they're a team that we'll be talking about that's in playoff contention deep into the season. And I think it'll be a, It'll be a good race between the Titans and the Colts in the AFC South. And the Colts do feel like a team that can still find a way to improve even outside of the first round, just based on the track record of general manager Chris Ballard. But moving on to the Houston Texans, they've got the number three overall pick. They've got the number 13 overall pick, both coming in the first round. And this is a team that traded away Deshaun Watson, wants to roll the dice with Davis Mills and see what they got there, but it's also kind of a coaching regime that I, I don't feel like you can feel safe about with Lovey Smith and just the state of the organization overall. Like, I don't know how much the Texans are legitimately going to improve, and I'm curious how you feel about that because obviously with those premium draft picks, they've got a chance at, at getting some playmakers in the first round, but just the overall state of their organization and the way you feel like they could go through another overhaul in the coaching department. Like, are you confident the Texans can actually drastically improve in this NFL draft? No, I mean, the, the organization is such a mess, right? I mean, like you said, it was just, I mean, the coaching search was a debacle. They settled on Lovey Smith for, you know, a variety of reasons. Um, you know, it, it seemed like not really nobody wanted to go there. Um, guys were taking their name off the list before they inter even interviewed. Um, you know, so obviously there's, there's some problems they've got in-house there. Um, you know, they, they, they got a lot for Deshaun Watson, sure. But, I mean, they gave up, you know, one of the top five or six quarterbacks in the NFL. So, you know, it's going to be hard to replace that guy. Like you said, they, I, I, Davis Mills was better than I thought he would be last year. I mean, he almost beat the Titans in week 18 in a game that they had to win to, to secure the number one seed. So, I mean, you know, maybe they got something there, but. Yeah, I mean, I, the hope is, right, that they can they can replenish their roster because they need pretty much everything um, on that team. And so I, I guess the hope is that they can do that with these picks they've added. But, you know, with, with their situation there, the, the owner that nobody seems to like, the general manager that nobody seems to like, it, it seems like that they're in for somewhat of, a, of another overhaul. And you just hope that – well, they hope that the current regime – can do enough with what they got for Deshaun Watson to set them up for this next group to come in and have success. Yeah. The Texans feel like a team that it's just draft anybody who can make plays. Like it doesn't right. even matter yeah. what the position is. We, we, we just need bodies who can make plays on the football field. And I guess you could make the same argument about the Jacksonville Jaguars who have the number one overall pick uh, are dealing with their own kind of dumpster fire organization and the urban Meyer debacle, and they bring in Doug Peterson. They've got plenty of needs, but they have had a busy offseason signing Christian Kirk, Brandon Scherf, spending a ton of money, really, and bringing in guys and maybe even overpaying at, at times. But this roster still has a lot of holes. If you had to predict today, like I know Aiden Hutchinson is the num projected number one overall pick pretty much by consensus. Do you believe that that is where Jacksonville should go with the number one pick? Yeah, I mean, it's um, it's not a great year to have the number one overall pick, right? I mean, the, there's not – you know, and they don't need a quarterback, clearly, because they, they've got Trevor Lawrence, and I do think he, he will be good. But it would have been good for them if, if there could have been another top-flight quarterback in this draft so they could have picked up more picks, uh, you know, by making a trade. Yeah, I mean, I think you go there. I, I think anytime you can get a guy that can affect the quarterback, that's, that's a good thing to do. Um, you know, I think they've got a little bit more – well, I don't think they've got quite a bit more than the Texans do. 
Um, especially, I mean, just having the quarterback, and they've got some playmakers on offense, the guys they've added over the last couple of years. Um, their, their defense has some good players on it as well. So I don't think they're as far away as the Texans are, um, you know, with, with a good draft here, um, you know, and if they can get good coaching. I mean, yeah, the Urban Meyer thing was just crazy, and I, I was hoping they'd keep him forever, <laughs> you know, because that's just one, one less thing you got to worry about. But, um, yeah, I mean, I, I think that they've got a chance to make a step forward this year. I don't, I don't, like I said, I think it's going to be tight in the Colts. I don't think there's going to be much, much contention from the other two teams in the division. But the, but the Jaguars feel like a team that, you know, two drafts, the next two drafts, they could be a team that could really compete. Now, they did some crazy things in free agency, uh, you know, gave a bunch of money to Christian Kirk and some other things. So, I mean, you know, we'll see how those things play out. But I, I think they've at least, you know, when you got a quarterback that has the potential that Lawrence has, you, you've got a potential to, to make that, to make a step, but they just need, better players around him yeah I, I totally agree with trevor lawrence it just feels like he hasn't even had a chance yet and it's like yeah. let's just figure out what we can do for trevor and you know you can't take a wide receiver number one overall but you got to just take who you deem as the best available player there in, in a class like this so we'll see where jacksonville goes in the nfl draft but Thank you very much, Jimmy. We really appreciate you joining us here on the SB Nation NFL show. You can follow Jimmy on Twitter at jmorrismcm. Of course, you can find all of his fantastic content at Music City Miracles that they're doing there for the Tennessee Titans. Jimmy, again, appreciate you joining us and wish you and the Tennessee Titans luck in the upcoming draft. Thanks, man. Thanks for having me on. We're wrapping things up with our final division in the AFC. It's the AFC East with our friend Bruce Nolan from Buffalo Rumblings. Finishing up our 2022 NFL draft community row in the AFC. Let me welcome in Bruce Nolan. You can follow him on Twitter at Bruce exclusive. You can find his work at Buffalo rumblings, Bruce. The NFL draft is finally upon us. How are you feeling about Buffalo? How are you feeling about the draft overall? I don't know if you do a lot of mock drafts or are you feeling confident in the NFL draft? I am a mocker for sure. There's absolutely a large amount of mocking going on when you look at my work and I'm feeling fine about the NFL draft. I do think that this is a little bit of a adventure when it comes to the mock drafting and the trying to sort out who's going to go where I started my predictive mock draft not too long ago and realized that I don't think I'm going to get anything right. Last year, I was really excited. I got all (laughs) first of the six picks, right? Six for six, right out the gate. And then I'm looking at going, I don't even know if I'm going to get the first pick right at this point. So it's going to be an adventure. And I think it makes for good entertainment. It makes for hair pulling for the rest of us, but I think it's going to be a lot of fun. Yeah, I think it's going to be a lot of fun. I'm kind of with you where this is one of those drafts where it feels like the first time in a long time. I'm not confident really in where anybody's going to go. Cause we think Aiden Hutchinson's number one, but it's the Jaguars and Trent Balky. And so I've just been talking to everybody at SB nation about how I am not confident in this draft. So it's nice to know that I'm not alone because I, I feel like we are all going to be way off, especially if we place bets or something on draft night, but you are here to talk about the AFC East with us. So I want to start with the Buffalo bills. They've got the first pick at number 25 and I'm curious about where you think they should go with their first round pick. And I'm curious how you feel about where they need to improve. Cause when I look at the addition of Von Miller and and how loaded this roster already was with talent, how close they were to getting over that Kansas city chiefs hump in the playoffs. I kind of buy that Buffalo has the best overall roster in the NFL. 
And I think there's an argument to be made there. I think if you ask a lot of Buffalo Bills fans, they would tell you that running back, maybe interior offensive line, cornerback, potentially a safety, depending on what happens with Jordan Poyer. I think those are the places where Buffalo Bills fans look and go, okay, this is an opportunity for us to plug a hole, get better. Um, Adding dynamism to the offense is never a bad thing. When you look at the fact that Emmanuel Sanders walked, how ready is Gabriel Davis to be wide receiver too? You know, how much do we believe in Jamison Crowder? We're one injury away from potentially being a little thin there. I don't think you're going to have a lot of fans who are going to complain about taking a wide receiver either. So I think that when you have a team that doesn't have a lot of really glaring flaws, it kind of opens up the floodgates as far as, well, we could go anywhere with this, depending on how people's individual team building philosophies align. And so that's the reason why I think you're seeing a lot of corner, a lot of wide receiver, some running back, interior offensive line, depending on Zion Johnson and Kenyon Green, players like that. Those are the players you're consistently seeing mocked to the Buffalo Bills at 25. Yeah, I feel like they've got so much talent on the roster. They are in a luxurious position, at least in the NFL draft, where you feel like they can just take somebody at not necessarily at a position of need, just add somebody who's got talent and potential to you know maybe contribute on the field for them this upcoming season. You mentioned wide receiver, and I can't leave this without asking you about Gabriel Davis. I know they lost Cole Beasley. And, you know, you always want weapons in the NFL, especially with a quarterback like Josh Allen. But we saw Gabriel Davis have that explosion in the playoffs against the Kansas City Chiefs. Like, are they confident in him taking another step this upcoming season? I know Josh Allen's confident in him. And I know Brandon Bean, the general manager of the Buffalo Bills, is confident in him. And so I think that the team feels strongly about Gabriel Davis. I don't think that any amount of strength in that position is going to make you turn away from a player who potentially fell. I mean, for going to say if Jamison Williams somehow fell to 25, I don't think the bills are going to be like, well, we have Gabriel Davis. We're not going to take Jamison Williams, but Gabriel Davis has answered the bell every time his, his number has been called and Josh Allen raves about him. Previous players who were on the bills, Emmanuel Sanders, who is now a you know, free agent considering retirement, absolutely raved about Gabriel Davis on good morning football on NFL network. And the general manager talked about how he's a stud and he would go to war with the guy. So every bit of messaging coming out from the team indicates that they're okay with Gabriel Davis being wide receiver too, but it's 11 personnel league. So it's not like taking a wide receiver at 25 is somehow an indictment against Gabriel Davis. It's more so what the coaching staff and the front office of the Buffalo Bills have said for a year now, which is you never want to lose your fastball. And what the Bills fastball is, is throwing the ball with Josh Allen to wide receivers. Man, please, NFL, do not let Jamison Williams fall to the Buffalo Bills in the first round. That sounds absolutely insane, adding him to that offense. Uh, moving on to the New England Patriots. And, you know, a lot of noise, obviously, uh, around the Buffalo Bills and how talented they are. And then everything that the Miami Dolphins did and even, even the Jets with the with the draft picks. We'll get to those teams I feel like the Patriots are kind of being overlooked in all of this just because they haven't been the loud team in the AFC. They've just been kind of hanging back and they're kind of in a rebuild and a young team. Obviously, you want to build around Mac Jones and see if you can build off of that rookie season. They've got the number 21 overall pick in the first round. Do you have any thoughts about where you think the Patriots need to go, where where they desperately need to improve in the upcoming season, especially with the way the division is right now. 
I think one of the th- reasons that you consistently see Devin Lloyd being mocked to the Patriots is because they desperately need team speed on defense. I think one of the things that the Buffalo Bills games specifically exposed in the New England Patriots was their lack of speed on defense. And it became a problem to keep up with the wide open spread attack that you saw from the Buffalo Bills. Now, the New England Patriots might need to go a little bit against philosophy to be able to do that. Historically, you are known for being a little bit bigger on the inside, bigger linebackers, and it's it may require a philosophical departure for them to be able to do that. In addition, offensive line is always something you could look for with the New England Patriots. They had to trade away an offensive lineman this particular offseason. In addition, I know they went out and got Devontae Parker, but it's not like Nelson Aguilar absolutely lit up the world last year so significantly that you couldn't look at an offensive weapon for Mac Jones. I think a lot of these teams who have second-year quarterbacks are going to be looking to isolate the variable. What they want to do is they want to be able to provide their quarterbacks with enough weapons and protection that they can isolate the variable that is that quarterback and go, okay, do I have enough evidence to know that this guy's the guy? And for New England Patriots, that holds just as much true as it does for the Bears and the Jets and everybody else. Yeah, I'm really interested to see where the Patriots go and their their track record with kind of struggling at drafting wide receivers and Bill Belichick's track record of you know developing those defenders. I feel like that's where they could go in the first round, but uh, again, they got to build around Mac Jones. Like you, you, you got to see what you got in, in your young quarterback. So I would not be shocked at all if they do actually wind up going wide receiver there. Uh, the Miami Dolphins, their first pick doesn't come until number 102 in the third round. And of course, that has a lot to do with the fact that they traded for wide receiver Tyree Kill and they loaded up on free agents this offseason to to really see what they have and to a tongue of Iloa. I'm curious how you feel about the Miami Dolphins. General manager Chris Greer even said, and on draft night, we're just going to be watching Tyreek Hill highlights. Like when you don't pick until the third round, it's just basically best guy we have left on the board, right? Or, or just best uh, lottery ticket who's available right now. Absolutely. I mean, the, the Miami Dolphins have been cashing in assets for a long time. Ever since the Laramie Tunsil trade, they have just been accumulating, accumulating, accumulating. And it was time for them to spend it. And that's what they did. They went out and spent it. You know, what's the point of having all this cash if you're not going to spend it all? You can't take it with you, especially in a a league where you get fired if you don't win. So much like you can't put your money in your coffin with you, you can't take those draft picks with you to your next job when you're a GM. So you got to spend them on something, and they spent them on Tyreek Hill. And so I don't think they're going to be upset at all when the time comes for them to pick, and they're going to be like, you know what? I kind of wish we would have had those picks back. I think they're going to be very happy with that. And I think that much like we just described, If you want to finish this year knowing whether or not two is the guy, you got to go out and get him help. You went out and got one of the best left tackles in football. You got one of the best wide receivers in football. You have, by all accounts, someone who is a creative offensive mind. You have a really strong rookie from last year in Jalen Waddell. You have Chase Edmonds. You have Raheem Mostert. You have speed on offense that you added. You had protection on offense that you added. It's time to go out and, you know, look at two and go, hey, we did our part. Your time, your turn to do yours. Yeah, it's I, I, they're they're a team that I I struggle to evaluate really, and even like predict where they could be at next season because I have those question marks with Tua. But there's so much talent. You you have to assume that they're going to be competitive. They're ready to play right now because they might not really have those impact players in the draft with, without any draft picks. But the New York Jets come in with the number four and number ten overall pick in the first round. Obviously, they've got a lot of team needs. Uh, they were not a very good team last year, but they're a very young team, and they've got a lot of room for improvement. 
with the number four pick with the number 10 pick, do, do you think that there are some players here in the top 10 that the jets can get who will legitimately give them a chance to take a big step forward next season? I think the jets are a really good place at number four because their needs line up with the strength of this draft and an edge rusher would be great. An offensive tackle would be great. So even if a supposed nightmare scenario happens and it goes edge, 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 one, two, three, the jets are like, well, thank you very much. I'll take my highest rated offensive tackle because we don't know what's going to happen with Mekhi Becton. You know, you can't count on Mekhi Becton coming in and being an impact player. And again, you have to isolate the variable for Zach Wilson. In addition, this is a really good receiver class. So you got to feel strongly about your ability to get a top flight receiver at 10 if that's what you want. I know that a lot of Jets fans are not interested in the Kyle Hamilton thing, but there's a chance that Kyle Hamilton's floor is probably 11 to the Washington football team. So there's a chance you could get him at 10. So I think that they're in a unique position where the things that the Jets need line up really well with the places where this draft is strong. I mean, there was a time during last year where the Jets were on pace to have a historically bad defense. And you are in a spot where you have a scenario lining up in front of you where you have a pass rusher who is coming back from injury and you have an additional opportunity to add somebody on. The, you could go from zero impact pass rushers on the edge to two overnight because people coming back from injury, basically bonus for you. So if you're the Jets, you got to be looking really, really positively at your opportunity to improve really, really fast by using four and 10. With their involvement in the Tyree kill trade and being that kind of other team besides the Dolphins, do you feel like they are definitely going to try to come away with the wide receiver because they've been one of the teams that seems really active in that department trying to get somebody else there for Zach Wilson? Or is this a situation where those defensive needs, Robert Sala is the head coach, you see them trying to focus on the defense? It seems very much like they're sniffing around wide receivers and that they want to make sure that they have someone to pair with Elijah Moore long-term. I know they have Corey Davis. I know they re-signed Braxton Berrios, but you just got to keep piling that on. I think there's another opportunity for offensive linemen, but I don't think it was just a, well, this guy's Tyreek Hill. Let's go after him. I think this is a, we want a dynamic weapon to be able to find out if Zach Wilson's the guy. That's one of the reasons why Jamison Williams at number 10 is such a fun idea because Zach Wilson scrambling out of the pocket, making something happen off schedule and throwing the ball down the field. That's the best thing he does, right? What are the things that Jamison Williams does well? Get behind a defense. So those two things have a tendency to pair up really well. I know a lot of people like Drake London in that spot because he offers them a little bit of a differing skill set from what they already have in Elijah Moore. But you really need to come away from 2022 in the regular season knowing if Zach Wilson's your guy and so if you're not going to get a pass rusher and a tackle or a pass rusher and a receiver or a tackle and a receiver if you're not going to help the defense get in the ball so he's not constantly running from behind and also help him when he has the ball then what's the point of having four and ten at that point so I think the Jets are in a really good spot it's just about hitting on the pick yeah, I, I agree, and, and I th I think they're an intriguing young team just because I, I don't feel like we got a realistic glimpse of what Zach Wilson could be last season just because of the inefficiencies and the uh, just lack of depth and, and stuff like that on their roster. Like they just do not have a lot of playmakers. So interesting to see how this thing goes, uh, Bruce. Thank you so much for joining us. 
I hope that all the mock drafts hold up. And of course, you can follow him on Twitter at Bruce Exclusive. You can check out all of his work at buffalorumblings.com. I uh, wish you and the Buffalo Bills nothing but luck in the upcoming NFL draft. Thanks a lot, man. First thing in the morning, as soon as you wake up, the to-do list starts. Does the car need gas? Hopefully those leftovers are still good. Why did I get CC'd on mom? <laughs> no. You can't escape the to-do list, but you can make the most of your me time with a relaxing shower using Method Hair Care products. Try Pure Peace Volumizing, Simply Nourish Moisturizing, or Daily Zen Shampoo and Conditioner for daily use. All formulated with long-lasting fragrances and are safe for color-treated hair. Reconnect with the best version of yourself. Visit methodproducts.com to unleash your inner shower. More to-dos, less time, and an infinite number of tools to keep track of. Sometimes doing business has never felt harder. But you don't need a miracle to hit your goals. You can just use HubSpot because their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier. Imagine this. High-quality leads, fast-closing deals, wildly happy customers, and more benchmark-breaking quarters. It's not a miracle. It's HubSpot. Visit HubSpot.com to get started today.